Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, man. is being recorded. So, I mean, I start, I, you know, I don't want to start off with, like, sad stuff, but just sad, sad tragic stuff with uh, AC, Alex Collins, who uh, he was on the team while you were coaching there, right? Yes, he was. It's a horrible tragedy, man. Um, mm. You know, 28 years old, full of life, man. He had everything ahead of him. Um, incredible talent. And, you know, I know that always gets talked about, but who he was as a human being and how much love everybody had for him, how much love he had for you know, his teammates and, and everybody yeah. outside of football. He did a ton of charity work. Great kid. Um, you know, but I'll never forget turning on his college tape because he's one of only, I think, two guys or three guys since in the history of the SEC that had three straight thousand yard rushing. Mm. And he split time with, uh, I think it was Jonathan Williams in Arkansas. Yeah. And so to do that anywhere is incredible. Do that in the SEC is unheard of. I think the other guy was Herschel Walker at the time. Wow. Um, so, uh, but his ability in space, man, when to navigate, you know, through the holes and, and make guys just look silly in yeah. the open field, like guys not even touching them. Yeah. Is, is, is incredible. He was one uh, as a player, you know, as a Seahawk, as a Seahawk fan. He was definitely a player that we had. And I know a lot of Seahawk fans feel this way that we loved him so much. And then he left sort of in a weird way. And, and then we had to watch him running for other teams and, and smashing people and doing everything we knew he could do with us. And But then we got him back. And I remember how happy, happy everyone was with that. And it's just, yeah, way too soon, man. It looks like a motorcycle thing. And it just, what a tragedy. And he he showed his talent when, you know, he got his chance. For he sure. went over sometimes, you know, changed the scenery. He went to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I believe he got picked up, like, first couple weeks, only played 10 games and had almost 1,000 yards rushing. So that's, the, you know, the talent level, you know, he had. It was it was incredible. Could do yeah. everything, catch out of the backfield. Awesome. Uh, there's a video of him that people have been circulating online since, since his death um, of him Irish dancing. And, and he was people were saying here's where he got his quick feet and it's just it's a kind of a funny looking video because he's such a big dude you know and everything and but mm-hmm. um there was a lot of guys actually what there wasn't jerry rice way back in the day who like would take ballet classes in the off season or something there's guys so. who have taken dance classes before and but i don't think irish step dancing has ever been one of them i mean there's got to be something to it even or like tap dancing there's sure that with the reflexive uh nature of the like the balance and then also the coordination and the quick feet yeah so maybe there's something to it yeah yeah well you're saying brett has a chance <laughs> <No>. wait <laughs> wait is i can is tap, he a tap dance dancer? i can't irish i went to musical theater school but i can't irish step dance i don't know and it, it's been a long time <laughs> it's been a long katie i hung up my tap dancing shoes quite some time ago you know that also you're not supposed to bring it up on the football show <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh speaking of the football show you want to kick this thing off let's do it brother mm. 
take 12. If you want the wrong uncut, yeah. unapologetic from the jump. Yeah. And no politics in this club, just dirt from the streets and the creeks in the mud. Take 12. Best podcast for the Seahawks, number one sports talk, yeah, we got it on live. Take 12. Every episode, 12 hot takes. And we repping for Seattle, my place. Take 12. Take 12 Podcast, proudly brought to you by Wiener Schnitzel. Two locations up in Western Washington, Everett and Fife. Go on in, get a chili dog, get a corn dog, get mini corn dogs. How about a milkshake, a root beer float? It's all good at Wiener Schnitzel, Everett and Fife. Go and mention our podcast, the Take 12 Podcast. Get a small free, wait, a free small soda with your other purchase. Welcome to the show. I'm a lifelong Seahawk fan, Brett Davern. He is Seahawks legend, Lofa Tatupu. And on this episode, the Seahawks played their first preseason game. So you know we'll get into all of that. Uh, there's some personnel stuff going on. Jordan Brooks is back, everybody, from the injury. So how will he fit in? And we will also be joined by a very special guest, the captain of the offense, while Lofa was captain of the defense, number eight, Matt Hasselbeck will be joining the Zoom at some point. We do this thing live, so he's just going to jump in, and we can't wait to chat with him. I'm such a fan. Uh, this is going to be really cool. Um, but, oh, also, Lofa, because this is such a stacked episode, and uh, let's just start. We, we have commercials now, so we need to play a commercial, and then we'll be right back, and we'll break down the preseason game. Uh, but, Lofa, I mean, let's just kick it off with the game. Um, I, it's preseason. You know, it's 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 guys getting their shot, which is the best part of preseason, but it's also preseason. So what did you think about the game and what did we learn about our team, if anything? I always start with defense, you know, because I was a defender. <laughs> um, they looked good, man. Um, and I know it's, you know, our first look and not all the starters are playing, but you got to be pleased with what you saw. Um, guys showing up and we're, in fact, we might be even deeper at several positions that people were concerned about, you know, um, even like DB, we'll get to that. I'm talking about Spoon um, uh-huh. and then Kobe Bryant, just making some great plays. But, you know, the, the linebackers, you know, I'm looking at the stats right here. Radigan, nine tackles. Mm. Devin Bush, six, you know, before he got pulled, I think right before half. So, uh, Patty O'Connell from uh, Montana, A. Yeah. <laughs> The Irishman from Montana. Looking good. Uh, he had five. Just a lot of production right there in the linebacker room alone. And there was a pass breakup, too, by another young uh, linebacker. I think it was Christian Young. Um, so it's that's a position that everybody's had eyes on at camp. You yeah. know? Um, I know we got Bobby back, but we signed Dev. You just mentioned Brooks is back. We got some weapons. And well, that's exciting. To yeah. See. And looking good with, you know, not the all the starters out there and everything. A lot of guys resting. I, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know exactly how many guys were resting for Minnesota or whatever. So you never know who's playing who out there. Um, but they looked they looked good. And the biggest question, I think, on D in the minds of Seahawks fans coming into this season would be run defense and stopping the run, since that was the big thing from last year that we had some trouble with. So how did the run defense specifically look to you, even though we know it wasn't the starters out there? Yeah, but it held up nicely. And, yeah. you know, I think the biggest word is like, okay, interior, like what are we doing? Well, the, the the tough thing about last year was you couldn't just say, oh, it's just the A gap, you know, right between the guard and the center. You couldn't say it's just the B gap. Any 
where they ran the ball was a potential to break. And that was the biggest, like, mind-blowing, you know, because usually um, there's, like, a pattern to where they run the ball and have success. But last year it was anywhere they ran the ball, outside, <laughs> inside. Yeah, like, it was and no matter like, who ran it. Didn't matter who it, it could was. could be a wide receiver and taking a handoff. Didn't matter. It was wild. And yeah. so, um, you know, obviously, you know, you want to see when the starters come back uh, because especially early on in the season, regardless of what happens in our, our next couple of preseason games, early in the season, that's what's going to be tested. So uh, we'll wait to reserve, you know, judgment on yeah. that. But oh. please, with the young guys, strong on the edges, everything. Well, oh, uh, well I, t- I told you we were doing this live. We're going to have to go straight from run this defense, probably to offense, because it just popped up here. Matt Hasselbeck has joined the Zoom. Let yes. me admit admit him here. We'll have to tell him we're just doing this thing live. You know, he's coming in midstream here. <laughs> oh, he's ready. He's ready for the show. <laughs> he's a pro's pro. Absolutely. He's probably getting his camera fired up. Um, and, I, you know, I'm assuming he'll want to switch straight from defense to offense. But As we should. Well, we were, we were talking secondary. Oh, there he is. Look at that trophy case. Wow, look at that background. <laughs> look at that Wiener schnitzel. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Matt. Yes. I'm Brett, and you know Lofa. Lofa to Tupu. What is up, brother? How you doing, man? Good to see you. Well, look at your background. Shoot, I can't compete with that. Yeah, that's uh, CGI. Yeah, I'll take it. It's right off the bat. Hey, Lofa, you look great, man. You look great. Been watching you look like an athlete out there. It's awesome. Thanks, brother. Just got another MVP trophy to add to. It was a softball game, but I'll still take it. (laughs) My money was on you. (laughs) <laughs> Can we do daily fantasy on like all the legends things that you do? Because I feel really, really strongly about my old teammates. Like who'd be good at what, who's first to get hurt in a like celebrity charity softball game, you know, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should start that up. We can get our own league going. <laughs> yeah. Lofa would be my first pick in softball or golf. He's that's pretty much his life now. Golfing and softball. Really? Really? I'm great in a scramble. Terrible on my own. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I'll, I'll take that bet. <laughs> Matt, thanks for being on the show, man. I mean, I'm a lifelong Seahawks fan, obviously huge fan of yours. So really appreciate you taking the time and jumping in here. And Lofa and I were just chatting about the game, the first uh, preseason game here. I don't know if, did you have a chance to check it out? The, the Hawks game? You know, I'm kind of a highlight guy now. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I just got laid off at ESPN, which was, uh, Kind of a blindside hit. Didn't see it coming. But, uh, you know, it's not the end of the world. It'll be okay. I'm coaching high school football right now. So I coached my son last year, did high school football coaching, and did my Sunday NFL countdown job and, like, features and stuff like that. And so I was planning on coaching high school football anyway. So now with this, like, newfound freedom that I have, I'm coaching a little bit more high school football. So we start officially Friday. But we've been doing, like, uppers. Uppers is like helmets and shoulder pads and technique. So I've been like knee deep in like. Yeah, you've been watching other Zavari- Yeah. Yeah, Zavarian Hawks versus we're getting ready for Everett. Uh, <laughs> that That's our first opponent. But uh, yeah, so that's been a little bit more of my focus. Um, but, you know, I never get too high or low on preseason anyway. Yeah. You know, just having been someone that came into the NFL as Brett Favre's backup for three years. Um like I kind of, I kind of like statistically sort of dominated the preseason, like just like 
really couldn't have played any better. And then I get to Seattle first time playing like real football, regular season, like literally fell right on my face. So like, I think I even, even me bought into some of the hype in the preseason of myself. So I think I learned the hard way that preseason is preseason. There are things you can learn from it, but at the same time, um, yeah. you know, you got to keep it in perspective. What was that first meeting with Brett Favre like? It was incredible, you know, because uh, really all, all the guys that I was teammates with, Reggie White, Leroy Butler, oh. Brett Favre, like I literally had the Sports Illustrated covers of them uh, like hanging on my on my wall in my room. Mm -hmm. And so like the first team meeting, like I remember we'll use Brett as an example, but really all the guys, you know, Brett came in and was like, Hey, I'm Brett. What's your name? <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I know you're Brett. You know, it would be like Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. It was like he was coming off of his second consecutive Super Bowl, third consecutive MVP. And uh, yeah, it was it was like a super cool feeling. I remember I was getting paid to play in the preseason. And uh, I remember the veterans were upset. I think we got seventy dollars a day. And they were like long days, you know, sun up to, to sundown. And I was fired up. I'm like, can you believe they're paying me? Like, I feel like I should be paying them. Like, I get <laughs> I get the throat of these guys. It yeah. was it was really cool. Yeah. Well, speaking of getting the throat of these guys, then let's just talk some Seahawk personnel because everyone's going gaga over the receiver group, and they should for good reason. I mean, what a talented group. I mean, Matt, you you had talented receivers to throw to all the time in your career. Of course, we love all the guys here, but what would it be like to throw to these guys that they got now? It, it always takes like one difference maker, I think, to really change how a defense will play you. And I, I think Lofa would agree, like when we were playing, you know, there was either a Randy Moss or a T.O. Like there were uh, or even like with the, the St. Louis Rams at the time, the greatest show on turf. Mm -hmm. You couldn't leave somebody one on one like you just couldn't do it. So you had to have like a um, obviously a corner and then like a safety probably on that side. Once you take two guys on one, now it changes everything that we want to do in terms of establishing the run, running three or four man concepts the other way. And if you ever want to get, I don't know, like you want to ever want to be a riverboat gambler and leave that guy one on one, it's on. And that's really what I think they they have in DK Metcalf. He is a guy that scares people. And that not to say he's the only guy that scares people on the Seahawks, but when you have that one guy that absolutely scares people and then they're afraid to leave him one on one and then you have a coach that's committed to actually running the ball, you know, that that that's really what everyone's looking for. Mm -hmm. Seahawks have that personnel-wise and scheme-wise. Yeah. What do you see quarterback wise out of number seven? Let's let's get number eight's take on number seven. Hey, listen, I, I going back to last year, and I would even double down on it this year. I think he looks like he's in great shape. You know, I've followed Gino a long time, and last year I thought I thought physically, just even just looking at him, mm -hmm. the way he was moving, just even how he looked in his uniform. I'm saying this is a guy that treated the offseason different. I don't know what he did exactly, but this is a guy that's sending a message without really even saying anything like, hey, I'm coming in the best shape of my life. A lot of people say that not a lot of people do it. He clearly did it. Yeah, I thought the ball comes out of his hands. He's a really good deep ball thrower, but just physically for a guy that's older and kind of the later part of his career to look the best that he's ever looked. I think that that says something. And, and I, and I would say like Tom Brady, you know, it's a little bit of a, 
common thing people would say, like, oh, well, compare somebody to Tom Brady. But Tom Brady, the older he got, I would say, like, the better he got physically. He's faster. He was faster at 42 years old than he was at 24 years old. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. How many people could say that? But I would say for Gino, just like that look um, that he brought last year, and I would say I see it again this year. And and what I think people, some people know, maybe not everybody knows, Geno Smith is a very, very good deep ball thrower. Yeah. And when you're a very, very good deep ball thrower, um, you know, that's one of the things that scouts are always looking for. And again, just going back to the defensive perspective um, that puts fear in you when you know a guy is willing to and able to go over the top. Yeah, no, I remember seeing the first picture of him coming to camp this year with the with the muscles. He looked like a young Matt Hasselbeck coming back to camp. Looked like he'd been on your training regimen, Matt. He looks good. And Matt, I've said it time and time again. He throws one of the prettiest footballs I've seen since you, my friend, because you with with the precision and you knew when to put more you know, speed on it. But the touch, especially the West Coast offense, which is all predicated on timing, you always had it. And so this guy can put it anywhere, every throw he has. And um, it's incredible to watch. Um yeah. Well, there's different styles to Lofa. Like, as you know, there's different styles of quarterback and it's not like you got to do it one way, but I do think that Geno Smith is a guy that he's, you know, he's, he's had a journey, right? He's had a journey and he's backed up uh, Russell Wilson, Phillip Rivers, Eli Mann. Like he's, he's backed up some pretty good quarterbacks. To me, when I see him, I see a guy that still has his Geno Smith, West Virginia, like all those things that he brought to the table. But I feel like he's picked up stuff from Russ, from Philip Rivers, from Eli. Like, I feel like he's sort of like he's taken this collection of people that he's coached, have been coached by, and then the guys that he backed up. And so when I see him play, like, I do see a little bit of Russell Wilson's game in there. Like, I do see a little bit of Eli's game in there. And, like, it's it's just a cool thing for young quarterbacks who maybe struggle early in their career to see that – um She's like, sure, like all those things that you're saying, Loaf, I, I agree. But like, yeah. it's almost like he's just he's got uh, he's more dynamic as a player. And there, and, I, and and even with all these compliments, I do believe there's room to improve, you know, like yeah. and, I, and I would say, like, specifically for him, if I was his coach, I would say, OK, like, here's something that you do a good job of most of the time. But like ball security in the pocket, just two hands on the ball. Like that, like when you're trying to do a little bit extra, like you kind of know when to say when and just really hold on to that football, because really that can be just the difference between, you know, basically playing in February and not playing in February. Opportunities. Yeah, I was that was my question was, you know, teams everywhere, they struggle to find a quarterback. It's the hardest position to play. So I was just going to ask you, like. You know, as you've evaluated college players, like what do you look for when you're trying to find that guy? You know, it's funny. Like when I when I came out, um, I had a, I didn't get invited to the the combine, right? Like I've mentioned this before, I didn't get invited to the combine. I kind of got uninvited when Ryan Leaf decided to come out early, and uh, he bumped me, so I got bumped for a junior. So I I've forgiven him. I'm a huge fan of Ryan Leaf, but at the time I was really angry with him. So like no sweat. I had a pro day. I'm like, oh my agent was like, oh no problem. You're not going to the combine. Just have a pro day. So I have a pro day. I invite all 32 teams. One team shows up. One team. The quarterbacks coach for the Green Bay Packers, this guy named Andy Reid. He's the only guy that shows up. 
And so, wow. anyway, to make a long story short, Never heard I could talk about this for days. <laughs> Andy, Andy Reid, we didn't even do football. Like, we did a little bit of football. He wanted to get to know me. He wanted to, like, see how coachable I was. Like, he was testing me on, like, other stuff. And so, like, I think when you're looking for quarterbacks, it's not the stuff necessarily that they that they do at the combine. Like, I think that would be, like, my quick answer, like, like what you're looking for. But I would say this, too. There are some head coaches and some systems and some teams that understand how to help a quarterback be successful, and then there's some who don't. And I would just say for Pete Carroll, if you look at his track record, and Loaf, you can speak to this even better than me with his track record, he gets good quarterback play out of his quarterbacks. He really does. And then there's there's another thing, and I was going to do a story on this if I was at ESPN this year, but I'm not. So someone else can do this story. Quarterbacks, when they leave Pete Carroll – don't do nearly as well usually as they did when they were with him. And so like, I, I don't know. Why do you I'm, think I'm that so is? happy to see. Well, you know, I, I think it's because Pete's a good coach and mm-hmm. he understands a lot about how to, how to coach that position and how to coach a team. And that maybe, you know, you know, again, there's a lot that goes into it. You, you had him player. for Matt, you were, Oh, sorry. Over. <laughs> I would say even just how to, you know, what buttons to push. I mean, you know, like, like, mm. like you and Holmgren, right. Um, so to speak. It's just coaches, they know how to get through and connect a guy and, and, you know, clear the the distraction and all the white noise, just like, Hey, this is what you need to focus on right now. And I think that's really what Pete always did for, for all of his players, but especially his quarterbacks. Well, that's what I was going to ask Matt. I mean, Matt, you had Holmgren, you had Andy Reid. I mean, that coaching staff at green Bay, uh, uh, Holmgren's coaching staff, just his tree is just stacked. Um, but then you had Pete also for one season at least, right? One year, yeah, uh, one year. So what what is it about Pete that then makes him such a good coach for quarterbacks? I, uh, you know, just like you say with quarterbacks, does he have an it factor? I think mm-hmm. you say that with head coaches. There's not one style, but he's got an it factor. I mean, he's a great leader of men. He's got a clear vision. Uh, I mean, he had three rules when I was there. I could still repeat those three rules today, like years and years later. Like he kept it clear, clean, concise. He had a John Wooden quality about him. Hmm. And I just really believe in him as a coach. I've had a lot of coaches and I've had a lot of great coaches. I do believe in Pete as a coach. And, you know, I was happy to see Gino sign back with the Seahawks because I'm sure he had opportunities to go to like Tampa or like somewhere else. And like, I just really think the best decision for Gino, regardless of whatever the money was, was to stay with Pete and just kind of stay in this system globally as like what it means to be a team. What's our culture? What's our, what's our DNA? How are we going to talk around the building, but also just schematically and had Gino left, like had Gino taken the money and gone somewhere else, like, uh, Tampa, we'll just say, um, in a weird way, I kind of think, I believe in Drew Locke. Like, I kind of think, like, they would have been fine. Like, they believe in Drew Locke. Um, and that's not to slight Gino at all, but, like, I just think that there's something better about how Pete Carroll and his team coach the quarterback, coach the team, run the whole show versus what I see in other teams where at the quarterback position – it's a complete disaster. And these teams have no chance to compete for a Super Bowl because they don't have good quarterback play. They don't have consistent quarterback play. And quite honestly, they don't have leadership at the position and they don't have execution at the position. And then they cycle to the next guy and the next guy, you know, without ever really developing them. So what do we see? Yeah. From- and I would say I just like a, one common theme in the program and it's sort of a joke, but it's like not. It's like a, it's just the, co- the competition every single day. 
like just that mindset of competing. I don't care if we're in team period, if it's like me versus Lopa, if we're, if we're doing box, paper, scissors, if we're doing a free throw shooting contest, it's yeah. just competition all day long. And I do think that that is something that uh, I really respect that they do. And I think they do it really, really well. Mm hmm. Uh, how do we think, Lofa? I know you wanted to touch on Witherspoon. We're kind of. Do you want to do that quick, and well, then we we'll could get to that after? Okay. No. Well, I just wanted to talk about then what what do we see for this team then this season, Matt? I mean, Lofa has given his sort of record prediction. Uh, you could do that if you want, oh, or very lofty. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, he's. I'm, if, if we do what Lofa thinks, I'm I'm in. Sign me up right now. We don't even need to play. I was this right season. last year. I'm just gonna but, say I was right uh, last year. Matt, what what do you see for these guys this season? Well, I just think like the plan of the rookies last year was really awesome. You know, it's a talented team. I could talk for days about Gino and how he did, but like the rookie tackles, mm -hmm. uh, the rookies on defense, uh, really just what they're doing in the secondary, just that confidence. I would just caution, I would just caution everybody that every year is a different year. Like, and I just remember we had an offensive coordinator, Gil Haskell, that was a veteran coach, been around a lot of different great teams. And he would come in every year and he would say to the offense, it really doesn't matter what you did last year. Most of you guys in the room were here last year. It doesn't matter what you did last year. We are not that team. We are the last day of the year last year to the first day this year. We are not as good as that team. It starts over. And look around. This room maybe got more talented. That doesn't mean we're better. So I, I know, I know that the team got more talented. Like, I know that, especially I would just say like adding a little bit of excitement. Um, I don't know, like maybe explosiveness is the right word, but so what? Like, like Gino, you got to bring it like you brought it last year. Wide receiver group. You can't say, oh, our defense is going to be better. We got to, we can kind of like none of that. And so I just, that's where I would just caution people. Like, that's why I think it's hard this time last year. Half of the world had the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. And clearly, that's the opposite of what happened. Yeah. You know, so I think it's exciting. But I also think it's dangerous if you're a player to sort of play this game. And 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 really, that's why I think it's hard to predict. And I think it's why the NFL is so fun. It's mm -hmm. not like college football. Right. Like yeah. most of the teams have a, have a chance. And uh, Seahawks are certainly a team that could win their division. And if they win their division, you know, we know where it is from there. Now, Lofa, you know, I only played freshman freshman football in high school. But yeah. Matt, did you hear him there? He had that coach cadence going for, for like, right? He did. He's, I, I mean, was Matt, excited. High school coaching, man. I mean, you're, is it fun? Are you loving it? Fun, but I got to tell you, we played uh, Lofa's alma mater last year, Okay. Big rivalry, okay? So lo, lo, the town that I grew up in, if I had gone to the it, – it's a small town. It's right near Gillette Stadium, okay? If I had gone to the public high school in my town, which did not throw the ball at the time, but uh, there would be, it would make up three towns, and we yeah. would make up this one high school called King Philip. And that's where Lofa played, and that's where Lofa played quarterback, actually. Well, because um, they don't throw. Him. his brothers didn't come. To <laughs> no, we didn't. No, he didn't. But – I, I actually went to another school. I went to a private school closer to Boston, more tough city kids in that area, as Lofa knows. They wouldn't schedule <laughs> us. They wouldn't schedule us. Anyway, I, I went there to play tight end because I wanted to catch the ball. They moved me to quarterback anyway. But last year, one of our losses uh, was to Lofa's alma mater, and it was crushing. It was one of our first losses, and if not our first, I don't remember. But I took it so hard as a coach, uh -huh. like as a player – 
you know, you take a loss hard, you watch the film, you see what you could have done better and you just like move on. Mm -hmm. But as a coach, I really feel I really felt like I failed the kids and like I couldn't sleep. I was like, gosh, I didn't know. Like I didn't I should have did like I didn't know the high school rules. Uh The hash marks are different. I didn't fully understand our protection schemes at the time. And like literally it sat, sat with me for like three or four days. I called so many of my old coaches and apologized to them. I'm like, now I get why you were so angry and grumpy and like you couldn't get over a loss. Oh, I and it was same you know. thing for me. My, my, my kids are six and eight. I'm coaching baseball, but I, I feel the same way. I want, I coach my own kids. I want to, can I ask you about coaching your son? I mean, he's older and in high school, but I mean, what's it like to not, I mean, not that you've coached, uh, pros and stuff before, but you've been around so many pros and in the locker rooms and everything. It's got to be different when it's your own kid. I mean, it is for me. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I oh, coach yeah. kid, teams before having kids, and it's much different to coach when your own kids are on the team, isn't it? No doubt. And and I actually had like a little bit of a heads up. I was at Kurt Warner's uh, Celebrity Flag Football Tournament one time. and Was, was Lofa getting the MVP of that too? Uh, he would, actually. <laughs> he would. A lot of pulled hamstrings at that thing. But uh <laughs> So I was there, I was talking to Michael Irving, okay? And Michael Irving's there, and uh, Larry Fitzgerald's there. And Michael Irving's like, this is the darndest thing, man. I'm coaching my son. Like, I tell him, hey, we're going to run this route. We're going to have our outside foot back, our fourth outside step. We're going to break, whatever. And my son's like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't know, Dad. I don't know. (laughs) Larry Fitzgerald tells him the exact same thing, and his son's like, Oh, yeah. Yes, sir, that Mr. Fitzgerald. <laughs> the best plan I've ever Mike, heard. <laughs> and Michael Irvin's freaking out. He's like, hold up. Larry Fitzgerald pays me to coach him on how he can get better. You know, it's like that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So my son's freshman year, we lived in Nashville, Tennessee, and his head football coach was Trent Dilfer. And so I got like a little bit of a taste of it, like anything Trent Dilfer, anything Coach Dilfer said, my son was like, yes, sir. I love it. I'm in like all the way. And things that I would say, you know, he would say, I don't know, dad, have you ever, have you ever even scored a touchdown by running it in? I was like, what? (laughs) Yes. You know, so like I got a taste of it, but, but honestly, I think like the biggest fear that I had coaching my own son was just the, the, the friction that might, uh, that might come up. Mm. And so like Mike Holmgren and I had this thing that we did uh, that Kathy Holmgren came up with was after an unsuccessful play that didn't end in a basically an extra point. Um, like it wasn't a score yeah. uh, after the play was over, I would come off the field and I would go grab a drink of water or whatever. Mike would go touch the 30 yard line, come back. And then you know, maybe cool off. Everyone would cool off a little bit. He'd get information on his headset and then we would have a conversation. So father, son, that can be a little friction. I would do the same thing. Mm -hmm. I would say, Hey, you go celebrate with your teammates, high five, the kicker, whatever. Uh, You go get a drink. I'm going to go touch the 30 yard line. I got my headset on. I'm getting information from the box, whatever. And uh, we'll have a conversation. So Credit to Mike Holmgren for, uh, you know, I really credit to Mrs. Holmgren for giving me something that's that's helping at the high school level right now. coaching, And probably something that's helped her out around the house a time or two. Also, you know, Um, what about Mike? So she said to Mike one time we got into a big fight after the 40 after a 49ers game and um, we won the game, but it was a little closer than Mike Holmgren would have appreciated. And we were sort of like fighting, I guess. And Mrs. Holmgren said to Mike. Which one of you is the adult? Meaning like, okay, you should apologize first. And so like, I I still think of that, like with the, 
you know, with my son, who's a teenager, I sit there, I'm like, all right, I'm the adult here. Okay. So it's <laughs> yeah. just like a deep breath Wise. and he's doing great. He's doing great. He's going to play college football. Now he was committed to play lacrosse. He's a very good lacrosse player. Um, but he had his first year as a starting quarterback last year and he's going to go play at Michigan state next year. So we're super excited. We're super proud, Amazing. but we also have, we also have a lot of work to do. So, yeah. um, Huskies, I'm excited to coach. I think the Huskies roll into East Lansing early in the season for all you Husky. Fans uh, well, there, well so. he asked me, when does, when does Michigan state roll into Seattle? That's what he's excited about. Okay. So. All right. There you I go. can't wait. Uh, well, I was going to ask, I mean, speaking I think of homecoming for us might be USC. I'm not sure. Probably, yeah. Be careful. We got the we got the machine rolling out there. You well, probably do. I should I should shut up. You probably do. I don't know. We're talking about like coaching your sons, but I mean, you guys both had dads that played in the league and on the he same makes. team. And yeah. I mean, you guys have known each other forever, haven't you? Oh yeah. I mean, Mosi Tatupu was the flea flicker. Uh, halfback pass, gadget play, Steve Grogan. Like he was, he was one of the best. Like he was one of my favorite players, just a really well-respected guy. But listen, my, my, one of my favorite stories that I've told, um, actually I told like near the end of my career, I was 40 years old. I was actually, I was ended up starting a bunch of games for the Colts because Andrew Luck got hurt. And I would tell this story. I remember when Lofa got drafted to the Seahawks in 2005, he came in and I was like, oh, my gosh, Lofa Tatupu, our dad's played together. You're from my you know, hometown, blah, 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 all this stuff. And our punter at the time, Jeff Fiegels, was like, Tatupu? And maybe, Lofa, you could finish his story for me. <laughs> he goes, I think – you want to finish it? Or you want yeah, to finish it? it was with the, the Giants. He was with the Giants. No, no, so he's like he, – I, I think this is how it went. I think Jeff Fiegels was like – Lofa Tatupu, I think I think your dad was my personal my up, protector. My up back, yeah, the first DP. <laughs> no way. I remember yeah. Figs. I remember yeah. Figs. I remember Figgles too. He was in the league for quite a while. Oh, sure was. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Did you guys know each other as kids running around the Patriots locker room or anything like that? So so Lofa was, what are you, Lofa? Like six years younger than me, yeah. probably. Yeah. And yeah. so Lofa's the same age as my youngest brother, Nathaniel, who mm. like so those were the epic battles. Uh my brother Nathaniel, who, uh, who lives out he lives out in Seattle still. Um, they would have epic battles. The the Norfolk Medfield Millis Vikings Viking. against Lofa Tatupu and the Plainville at that Rentham. time at that time Rentham Plainville Warriors. Warriors, yeah. Battles, and then I believe Mosi Tatupu Lofa's dad was your head football coach when you got to King Philip, right? Yeah. the uh, The memories I have of facing young Nate Nathaniel. Um, him high stepping into the end zone on the Super Bowl on a sweep. I still remember it clear as day. I made a big hit, a play or two, and then they run like an end around or he just takes it on the right sideline. And like we're all like looking back and he's just ball back, high stepping like Deion Sanders. I was like, man, that was pretty epic. Lofa, yeah. Lofa, what was it like for you when you, I mean, you got drafted, but then when you kind of realized it's the Seahawks, but then that Matt was there, that had to be kind of cool, huh? I just thought it was, it was, you know, small world, right? Crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, for our dads to play together all the way on the East coast. And then us to come all the way out to the pack Northwest and, you know, you know, put our names, you know, on the map mm -hmm. um, and, you know, really kind of, it, it really started to change the way football was looked at. And, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, these days, a lot of kids, they don't know that their football existed before 2013 in <laughs> Seattle, but 
you know, what we had was something special. And it was incredible to just to see that he was a captain of the offense. And I was a captain of the defense, and we were both from, you know, towns over back in Massachusetts. Coolest thing ever. I, the funny thing, I think our captain of the uh, special teams might have been Isaiah Kazavinsky, Harvard guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, I'll just everybody pulling from Boston. Like five mile square but, radius. But, but before, but you know, like before Lofa got there, Mike Holmgren would always talk about the Packers, well, his time there, getting to Super Bowls, and he would talk about the 49ers. And when he would talk about the 49ers, he would talk about, I forget the order, but he would say, you know, like first we got Joe Montana, then we got Ronnie Lott or vice versa. And then he talked about like, hey, first we got, you know, Reggie White and then we got Brett Favre or or vice versa. And like he would always say to me like, hey, you need to take control of this offense. Like he would say that. And it took a little bit for me to do that. But I got there and then we got Lofa and we had we had signed like a high priced veteran free agent to be our starting middle linebacker. Lofa, like what round were you drafted in? Uh, second second round so lofa comes in not expected to be our starter takes over the job he's our starter and not only does he take over the job he becomes that anchor he becomes that reggie white type anchor for us he becomes that ronnie lot and in the in the offseason this is back before there was a such thing as like an ota um it was me calling an offense doing seven on seven it was lofa running the defense calling a seven on seven sometimes running the plays as they were supposed to sometimes making up plays but i just really felt like that that's where the camaraderie came it's where a lot of like player-led leadership in like every team that i've ever been on the great teams the special teams are the teams where and listen the coaches care a lot they care a lot they sacrifice a lot but it's when the players care more than the coaches about the success of the team, about holding each other accountable. And that's what we got at Alofa. And it was just natural. Day one, this guy that started his career at the University of Maine, I think maybe walked on at USC, became a superstar at USC, leaves early, shows up at our place as like, a, oh, we can get some depth here at linebacker. No. That's it. I'm your Ray Lewis. Let's go. And that was huge for us yeah. um, getting him. So, well, in that first, just want to say that publicly. You guys want to talk imagine. about the Super Bowl at all? Nah. Gee, can we? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> no, let's talk about it. Well, I mean, you, I've, I've asked yeah. Lofo about it before. You know, he doesn't want to talk about it too much. And I can understand why. Oh. I'll tell you, as a fan, it was also one of the worst days I've had also, you know, I mean, you guys got absolutely screwed in that game. There's no other way to say it. Well, listen, a couple of things, like I could write a book about this, but basically we didn't, you know, a couple of lessons. We were the best team in football that year. I firmly believe that we, we didn't play our best that day though. We actually didn't play very well. And when Pete Carroll got to Seattle, he actually played a Kobe Bryant video about over trying and trying too hard and all Mm. this stuff. And as a lifelong Celtics fan, like I really didn't want to hear it. But like that Kobe video, just like it just it like hit me right in the spot. Like I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's it. Mm. Like that was us. Mm. That was us. And uh, it stinks that we didn't get an opportunity to go back. But there are learning lessons. And like I'll just tell one quick story. The Super Bowl that the Seahawks were in in. uh, in New York against the Broncos. Yeah. I think one of the lessons for us that we didn't realize, we didn't know how well Steeler fans were going to travel to Detroit. Like, I know it's geographically close, but like, we weren't ready for it. Like, I wasn't ready for all the terrible towels. I wasn't ready to go on silent count. Like, I had no idea hmm. the home field advantage that they would have. And it was a factor in the game, like for us, a little bit. And I, I got caught off guard by that. 
when that snap went over Peyton Manning's head because the 12s were so loud at MetLife Stadium, I got goosebumps because it was like, you know what? I think we sort of learned, like, you can have a home field advantage in a Super Bowl. And, like, I don't think ever anyone ever thought that. That clearly was the case that day. Hmm. And that just set the tone for what happened that day. And, like, I, Denver never recovered. And, like, I don't know. Like, so for me and all, like, kind of, like, any Seahawk alum, not even the guys that lost the Super Bowl um, in Detroit, any Seahawk alum, Steve Large and Jim's, all of them. So like the, the pride that we had when the Seahawks were eventually able to hoist a Lombardi and bring it back to Seattle, it was awesome. And yeah. so like I felt like in a small way, like that was something we sort of did together. We learned the hard way. And and man, was that a cool game. Absolutely. No, it all Great started point. with you guys, for sure. It did. It definitely did. Um, Matt, I have a, a list of random silly questions that we ask all of our guests. Uh, would you like to take the little quiz here? Let's go. All right. Let me get on my, my intense music, Producer Katie. <laughs> I haven't done this yet this year. Where is it? Oh, there it is. It's kind of like who wants to be a millionaire or something. Uh, and then we'll let you out of here, buddy. I promise. Matt. It's man- awesome. It's like therapy. It's like a therapy <laughs> session. Oh, man. You can come back anytime. Um, Are you going to ask me how to spell Wiener Schnitzel? It's uh, W I E N E R S C H N I T Z E L, I think. There you go. Uh, no, I was going to remind you, though, and remind all of our listeners about our trips that we got coming up this season. Lofa and I in the podcast, and, and listeners can come on some game day adventures with us. We're going to New York, uh, LA, Dallas, and Nashville. To play one of your old teams. Sounds like a lot of direct flights. And so we'll be doing that. Check check out Take12Travel.com if you guys want to come with us. Uh, Matt, the first question that I have for you on my list of random questions is heads or tails? Tails never fails, maybe? What do you think? It's up to you. You're out there calling it. Yeah, I'm going to say tails. Okay. Every time. So you go tails every time? No, not at all. Not at all. In fact, like I was just thinking about the we want the ball, we want to score because that seems to be like, uh, especially now at the age of TikTok and I'm coaching high school kids, like these high school kids are like, they're the ones I hear it from. Oh, no, they found it. And no, it's great. Like, I I actually sort of like talking about it. But like, um, I don't even know if I called heads or tails. I kind of feel like it was tails. I kind of feel like on the walk out there, I asked John Randall because like John Randall was like, the guy like when he was in our locker room like he was even when he was an opponent he was just he was that guy and i just remember walking out there and uh yeah but i don't know if it was heads or tails so to answer your question i'll go tails today but what i don't remember either matthew i've always defended you you said we were gonna score you threw a touchdown pass buddy i'm I'm just saying hey read between read between the lines love okay No, but can I talk about that real quick? I know we're in like this Absolutely. lightning round no, thing. Yeah, but... No, yes. I Matt, like you that, can talk so about that, whatever you want, my man. Listen, that was 03. That was 03. And I think one of the things Mike Holmgren was really instilling in us was, hey, listen, I coached at the Niners. We went to Super Bowls. We hoisted Lombardi's like, I know what it takes. Okay. I went to Green Bay. Same exact thing. Took that team to two consecutive Super Bowls. Like, I know what it takes. We have what it takes in this room. Okay. Here's what we don't have. We don't believe it. Like, we don't believe it. We don't have this, like, confidence or this swagger that you think you're good enough. 
And we had Trent Dilfer on our team and he got up one one time that year and spoke to our team. And it was just so great. Like he was kind of like, we, we do have it all. Like Mike is right. We have Hall of Fame players. We have veteran players that are under it. We have young guys that have a lot of talent. Like we got to believe. You know, it was almost like this like Ted Lasso moment, but like it was it was kind of like like that's the next step and not really going to fall away. Like I didn't know the microphone was on or whatever, right. but like being that way around your teammates against the opponent who you also know, like it's just it's a little bit of a mindset. And I do appreciate like Legion of Boom was a thing or the Seahawks have this like aura about them now. People don't want to go to Seattle like we didn't have that. Like we were just like some random team out there yeah. like at the time. Oh yeah, yeah. And so we didn't get it that day. In fact, that was like not how I wanted the game to end. But losing that game in 03, and actually we lost on the last play of the game in 04 in the wild card game at home against the Rams on a last pass. Um, but those two losses together, I think really propelled us to have the success that we had in 05 because if you just do what you always have done, you're going to be what you've always been. And the the heartbreak loss, really, 04 was really heartbreaking. 03, we we're in a way sort of happy to be there. But like those two heartbreaking losses really set us on a path to to get better in a lot of ways and to to start having sustained success that we just expected. No, I, um, well, that moment, anyway. like we we know how that moment ended, but the thing leading up to it and what you said was like just the coolest thing ever. I will never forget where I was. The Seahawks were always, as you described it, like they had some good moments with the silver helmets from, you know, at the very beginning, but then there was a lot of, you know, as a fan, it was always hard. And when, I'm, but when you said that and it, it just, it was like, I don't know. It was, it was like, uh, it, we needed it. And, and the 12s yeah. needed it, and it was confident, and it was you know it's it funny was damn though, cool, like, Matt. At, <laughs> at, at the time, and listen, at the time, I don't. No one really. Like, I didn't know it got picked up, picked up. Right. Like I thought maybe, but like I wasn't sure. Like it wasn't really like. And I don't think at the time it was known, and I, obviously it was known at home. But like yeah. I didn't, you yeah. know. Like, oh, like I, Joe we, Bob, I was watching with a big group of know. friends. I remember we were like, oh, <laughs> you know, we're like hell yeah, Matt. You know, it was amazing. Ah. Oh. That was the greatest. Yeah. Uh, but the mindset. Anyway. Next question. Go to halftime snack. Did you have one while you were playing? Yeah. Changes change throughout the year, right? Like just we would always eat pregame four hours before kickoff. I was starving and I would cramp up. Like I, I'd cramp up at after games or fourth quarters of game. So I needed food. So I would I would have an athletic trainer sneak me a hot dog and I would eat the bun. Or sneak me a piece of pizza from the concessions and I would eat it. And then the athletic trainers and the strength coaches, like, they were like, hold up. Like, we can do better than this. Because at the time, like, they would serve um, orange slices at halftime. And then they started using, like, those honey stingers. And then they started adding, like, uh, crustables, like peanut butter and jellies. Uh -huh. And, like, uh -huh. that was but, my like, favorite. <laughs> <laughs> you'd pound two crustables at halftime. And I was back. Yeah. But, like, but I, as I went through my career, and I would say when I finished my career in 2015 uh, with the Indianapolis Colts, like, we had a nutritionist that we hired from, like, Alabama. And she had, like, wow. protein balls in there she like it was like it was like a really intelligent you know i felt like a triathlete or something like that by the time <laughs> right. i was out of out right. of the league but no early on it was just like 
you know, kind of like Mark Sanchez did that one time, like sneaking a hot dog in. You know, I was smart enough not to do it on the bench. I do it in my locker. But um, yeah, that now, was I, I know Fiegel's might be old enough, but are you guys old enough to ever see a guy smoke a cigarette in the locker room? Our, our dads did. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I don't think so. But no? I don't think so. But okay. like, I had coaches who did that though. <laughs> uh, definitely had coaches who would smoke. Yeah. On a yeah. scale of one to ten, we asked this question last season, Lofa, and so we, I, you know, we're taking credit for it finally happening. I'll just keep asking since he's been asking. We for haven't seasons. seen it yet, but just on a scale season. of one to ten, Matt, how bad do you want to see the Seahawks wear their old school silver helmet uniforms? Uh, Lofa and I have been asking this for like five seasons, so now it's finally happening. Are you pumped uh, for this thing to be happening finally? Totally. Uh, uh, huge, huge fan of throwbacks. Yeah. I know it makes a lot more work for Eric Kennedy and the equipment guys and all that stuff. But uh, honestly, like I got to wear those uniforms oh, my first right. year. Yeah. And the only thing the only thing I didn't love about them is that they didn't fit great. They were made by Puma. Mm. And like the neck, like the, the league now is universal. Like everyone's wearing the exact same like uh, cut of a jersey. But when I went from, I think I wore Nike with the Packers and I got to Seattle and it was Puma. The neck was cut like real low. Huh. And like literally like guys would grab me, like Michael Strahan would grab me or something. My like jersey would come off my shoulder pads. So like I didn't like the fit of the uniform, okay. but I love the look of the uniform. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I see. So then when we went to the whatever you call like the i don't even know what those called sort of the mike holmgren seahawk blue the right the steel like blue what we wore I think they call it yeah whatever the official name is those uniforms fit so much better and that those just kind of became like what we preferred but yeah i'm i'm in i'm in favor of like all throwbacks like I, i'm a i'm a huge fan and yeah um the bucks are going to do their creamsicle ones too this year Who's that, Tampa? Yeah, Tampa, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, it's, I think it's super cool. In fact, like when I sign autographs and someone will have me sign like an old Seahawks helmet, it's usually like with like a really cool – those those helmets autograph a little bit better because you can do like a really cool like blue metallic pen or a green yeah. lit metallic pen and it, it looks really sharp. Yeah, they're going to look sweet. Um, uh, the next question is favorite Pete-ism, but you could also give us your favorite Holmgren-ism, and uh, I love all Holmgren stories, and I think I speak for all Seahawks fans when I say I think not only do we love you as a player, Matt, and obviously Mike as a coach, but we love your relationship together. It was it was great. Uh, I think. It was, uh, it was exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it was awesome. I, I, I feel really fortunate, and I say all the time, like, how fortunate I was to have great coaches, and, and now that I'm coaching, I sort of feel like I owe those guys apologies because I didn't realize, like, how hard it is. Oh. But um, I, I'll, I'll start with, like, Pete. You know, Pete had three rules, okay? Here's a good one, okay? So number rule one, protect the team. You can break that out. It means a lot. Rule two, no whining, no complaining, no excuses. You know, great rule but number three is kind of a unique one it, it, it's not unique but it's uh like to describe it makes more sense like so number three is be early mm. and be early is like yeah 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 be early but like he would say it this way he would say be early because it's a sign of respect for what's about to happen wide receivers be early to the run game install it's a sign of respect for what's important what what you think is important or how important you think what's about to happen and vice versa running backs you know whoever you know be early to the pass game seven on seven install it's a sign of respect for what's about to happen and so like i think whether you're on a football team or just in business in general hey we got a nine o'clock meeting you roll in at 8 59 or 901 i think it's like 
normal, like that's common. And I think what's unique about some of the great coaches that I had, Tom Coughlin in college, Mike Holmgren, you know, go all the way down to Pete Carroll. It was almost like you forget you're at work because you're everyone's say there's a nine o'clock meeting. You're trying to get there at 855. One, because it's a sign of respect for what's about to happen. But two, because Pete's creative and something cool is happening for the first five minutes before the meeting starts anyway. And it's just like an energy about going to work and you forget you're at work. And uh, and I just thought that was a really cool thing that he did. And um, that that was a great sort of Pete-ism, if, if you want a good one. Yeah, for sure. What was the um, a Mike-ism? Did he have a favorite saying? A lot. I think for quarterbacks, one of my favorite things that he said, I didn't understand what it meant. And then once I did, it's like changed everything for me. It was uh, as a quarterback, you're an artist, not a blacksmith. And like when I was in college, I was real robotic. I'd be like, okay, if they're in an under front, they're going to bring a strong dog, play three fire zone. We have 22 Z in. I have to throw the hot to the running back and gain three yards. And he would say to Brett all the time, Brett Favre, he would say, you're an artist, not a blacksmith. You're an artist, not a blacksmith. And so like what that meant to me is like, hey, if they want to disguise it and they want to bring the strong dog from depth and that John Lynch safety wants to come down because he's disguising it, you don't have to throw the, the hot to the running back for two yards. You don't have to. If you would rather paint your canvas in such a way that you're going to look there like you're throwing hot and off your fifth step, bang it to the Z on the 12 yard in, they'll never expect it because that corner is going to be press bail. Now we have Daryl Jackson on a catch and a 15 yard run because you weren't a robot. You weren't a blacksmith, just like dun, dun, dun. You're an artist painting your canvas. And I'm not telling you that's what you have to do, but you're painting the canvas. I might call that play five times today. Three times you want to do it this way, two times you want to do it that way. You're a quarterback. You're an artist. Paint your canvas. And like I got... I, you know, like I said, like at first I was kind of like, huh, what canvas? I'm no good at painting, you know, but, <laughs> but when I got it, it made perfect sense. And it's probably the thing that I say the most to the quarterbacks that I coach now. Wow. Well, we were lucky to get to watch you paint for a while up there, Matt, for sure. Uh, last question here. And I love asking it when I kind of already know the answer. Cause I get your story on this one. <clears throat> Where were you during the beast quake? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was almost getting it called back is what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, so listen, so we called the play 17 Power. I'm trying to think what I can tell you that, you know, people don't already know. Um, I'll tell you one story that's really kind of amazing. But yeah, we were trying to listen when you're in four minute mode, you're you're really kind of playing the clock a little bit more uh, than you are like scoring. And so like in the huddle, you usually spend a lot of time in the huddle, let the play clock come down and give reminders in the huddle. Usually it's like, guys, no penalties. That'll stop the clock. Running back, two hands on the ball. We don't need to fight for an extra yard, just like two hands on the ball. And then for power, one of the one of the coaching points that I would hear coaches say all the time is hit it downhill. I'm going to give you vision to the weak side a gap because that's sometimes where big plays happen. I'm going to give you vision. Don't roll it. Hit it downhill. And I remember I said something like that to Marshawn the last thing I said, but never in a million years did I think he was going to take it to the house. Mm. In fact, I'm supposed to carry out a naked bootleg fake on that play. But I was like just kind of mixing it up and just to kind of stay behind the play in case there's a fumble. I handed the ball off and then like I set to pass like it was a play action. So then I see him take off and I chase him. Well, the story I want to tell you about this ball is 
Marchand celebrates, does his celebration. He probably got fined for his celebration. And <laughs> me and Ben Obamano grabbed the ball and we're like, this this is maybe the greatest run in NFL history. We're going to make sure we save this ball. We bring it to the sidelines. We give it to the equipment guys. We're like, make sure Marshawn saves this ball. Well, Marshawn being Marshawn, he's like, I want to finish the game out with that same ball because we got the <laughs> ball back. Earl Thomas intercepted Drew Brees. So we get the ball back. So Marshawn takes the ball and gives it to the the referee to put back in the game. Well, we just end up taking a knee to end the game. Yeah. And Marshawn sprints into the locker room as soon as the game's over because he doesn't want to like talk to people and mingle. Well, after the game, like I don't know that he does that. My kids are on the field for the first time ever. All of a sudden, Henry's on my shoulders. My girls are with me. I got a broken wrist. I have that game ball in my hand because I took the last kneel down. Right. So I give it to my daughter. My daughter's got the ball. It stayed in her room for like, I don't know, probably like 10 years. Like my <laughs> dog has had that ball in its mouth probably. Like, I don't even know what that ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm playing for the I'm playing for the Colts and NFL Films is doing this story on Marshawn Lynch and the Beast Quake and all this stuff. And they're like, oh, Marshawn doesn't know what happened to the ball. And I didn't know the story. They tell me that story. And I'm sitting there like, wait, what? I've he put that the thing. ball back in the game? I'm like, that's that ball is probably like in my daughter's bedroom. Oh, that's next to so like, funny. You wow. know, where wow. is it now? Well, that's a good question. We're, <laughs> we're, we're digging in on that. We're digging. The search like, continues. If I took a little time, I could probably, if I got like the antiques roadshow people that come over <laughs> and like help me, like make sure, make sure, make sure. You might sure. have to dust for fingerprints or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. every referee, every umpire, yeah, referee, the white hat will take a Sharpie and this is how they used to do it. And they'll write their Jersey number. So like if I'm, you know, yeah. 135, they'll write like 135 on the, on the ball uh -huh. so like you could track it um maybe there's a special thing on the ball i don't know but the oh, ball's wow. destroyed there's, it's gonna be like our, it's gonna our, look like you know our buddy uh our buddy ryan who helps us with the show the missing link he just texted me a photo of you walking off the field i think after that game and i think the ball is in the photo you got your kids where you're you're on the on so their I, shoulders I a, there, so that a, might be the ball in that photo. Right? I have a photo. I have we'll a tweet photo it in my office here. In uh, yeah, my daughter's just chilling. Yeah, you know, she's got her puffy winter coat on and a hat. Yep, she's that's the photo holding, I'm looking at with the beanie on, like a loaf of bread. Well, there it <laughs> just, is. There's photo evidence of the ball. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Check out at, at Take Twelve Pod. We'll tweet that out there. Uh, Matt, this has been a ball for me, man. I could talk to you all day. Thanks so much again for your time and everything. And uh, I think we'll wrap it up on that, huh, Lofa? Yeah, man. Yeah, Matt, love you, brother. I appreciate you. My love to the family, man. You're the best, Lofa. Fifty-one oh, forever. Yeah. A little too loud there on the theme song. Sorry. Um, you guys, let me just quickly remind you about our sponsors, EpicSeats.com, Wiener Schnitzel, and, uh, of course, Delta Airlines. The Take 12 podcast only flies with Delta Airlines, of course, to all of our trips and everything. Take12Travel.com for all of that. Uh, for Lofa, I'm Brett. That's Matt. We're getting out of here. Anything else, Producer Katie? Nope. No. All right. We'll see you next time on the episode. Uh, Matt, we break it down all uh, a team oh, yeah. what, after what a practice the, or a what game. What do the cubes break it down to? Oh, cues on two. One, two, cues. That's how we do it. <laughs> oh, wow. We're, it was too oh, quick. Too Can we fast. do it again? Wait, hold on That's a second. That's why you're why not you a cue anymore, okay? Hey, how about take 12 on two? One, two, take, take 12. 12. <laughs> Thanks for slowing it down for us, brother. <laughs> See you guys. 
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.